A very bittersweet day here in Los Angeles for sure. The the sad passing of Vince Scully at 94 years old last night, but it has been incredibly fun to talk about Vin Scully, to listen to the old Vin Scully calls, to hear people that were around him and got to play for the Dodgers and and, and people here in the city listening to him and how a, a part of their family that somebody that they never met was and, and what it meant to everybody here. And, and I couldn't be happier to introduce our next guest who pitched for the Dodgers, who is a current member of the Dodger broadcast team. Um, Oral Hershiser joining us right now on 710 ESPN on the Travis and Sliwa show. And Oral, listening to everybody that's called in today and Al and I and having these conversations about Vin Scully and what he meant to us and the city, what did he mean to you as as someone who not only he called your games as a member of the Dodgers, but somebody who, who you got to know on a personal level? Yeah, the uh, personal level is what I think about. Of course, the professional level is at the pinnacle, but the personal level when you lose somebody is uh, completely different. Um, this was part of my baseball family. He was a baseball relative. He was a mentor and somebody who uh, taught us how to be Dodgers, taught us how to be great people, how, how to be a great man, how to be a patriot, a Christian. And so uh, his life was not preachy. His life was humble and very easy to read and to watch because uh, – what you saw in the public eye was exactly what you had in the in the private eye, and uh, we're going to miss him greatly. But uh, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of our life has been without Vinny's voice or without him on TV. But he'll still be with us forever because when we had his voice, when we had the pictures and the voice on TV, when we had him shaking our hand and greeting us onto a team bus or over a meal or in a green room waiting for an appearance, uh, those moments will last forever with, with all of us. Well, you know, I, I, I'm sure for everybody, anybody that you see as an icon and as a legend, times that you, you kind of watch that legend from afar. Did you ever catch yourself just watching Vin and kind of seeing his his routine that he would go about? And I'm, I'm just curious, times that you weren't talking to him, but you were just observing somebody who is as great as he is, if you can kind of describe some of those moments. Well, I'm pretty inquisitive, and uh, I've never been as talented as Vin Scully or even thought of myself as talented as the players I played against. Um, so I'm always watching and always trying to learn. And so when I was playing uh, – asking Tommy questions, asking Fred Clare questions, asking Al Campanis, asking Peter O'Malley, watching Vin Scully, going to the television truck and watching a broadcast, going to the radio booth and watching a radio broadcast. Uh, so observing these men and observing Vinny, um, what you learn is you learn that um, there is a lot of work where there is a lot of success. You learn that uh, he could look at a media guide and be reading it with his eyes, but turning it into a story with his words. Um, he would talk to the people as if they were the radio audience and the television audience. He would turn to Boyd Robertson, the stage manager for many years. He would turn to the cameraman. He would turn to a person that was there just to run errands. Uh, and he would tell them stories and it would make it so personal because he was talking to a person 
And I think it gave him that that unbelievable rhythm that he has where he did not ever see – you didn't ever see the nerves of a broadcaster. You never saw excitement that was out of order. You never saw silence that wasn't appropriate. You just – you saw that he was um, – bringing to life the game and and he it helped you in your interviews as a player when he interviewed you i asked him one time i said so how do you prepare for interviews when you're going to interview the player and he goes i kind of think of just the first question and after that i listen Mm. and when i listen i understand then where the transition needs to be and if it was a not a very good answer or it's he wasn't going the place I needed him to go. I used the end of his last answer as a transition to get him to where I wanted to go. And so he, he taught us so much. Dodger legend, Oral Hershiser joining us here on the Travis and Slewa show. And Oral, obviously, you, you know, I think everybody knows where your career, you know, went, you were a Cy Young award winner, you're a world series champion, the consecutive scoreless inning streak. And obviously you're a member of the, the broadcast team right now, but Go back to when you're just getting started. Go back to when you get called up to the big leagues for the first time and you realize that Vin Scully is going to say my name on a radio broadcast, on a television broadcast. He's going to interview me, and Vin Scully knows who I am. I've heard a lot of young players talk about that my my big league experience didn't feel exactly real until I heard Vin Scully say my name. Yeah, that that is so appropriate. Um, You know, when you walk into a Dodger locker room or a spring training and there's Steve Yeager and Rick Monday and Steve Garvey and Ron Say and, you know, Dusty Baker and Reggie Smith, and then there's Roy Campanello over there, and then there's Sandy Koufax and Manny Moda and Tommy Lasorda and then Vin Scully. But he didn't have a uniform on, but he was just as big of a person in the room. And they'd go around the room and they'd introduce everybody. As a big leaguer, you have these moments that you dreamed about as a little kid. You you have your first baseball card. You have your bat with your autograph on it. You have your glove, and they burn your name into the glove. And you also have Vin Scully calling your name and your broadcast, you know, of your game. It's uh, it's it's just a it's a huge huge moment to have that feeling and to know that you've kind of arrived and he was part of that signature uh i can't imagine i can't imagine uh you know a better broadcaster i can't imagine a better guy that you would hope to would say your name someday and uh and then to meet him after that because i grew up in the generation like a few of us right that only had the game of the week so mm-hmm. we knew of Vince scully but we didn't get to think that Vince Scully would be saying something about us or talking about us other than, oh, maybe you played the Dodgers if you made it to the big leagues. But then to be a Dodger is even more iconic because you're walking on a team bus with him. You're, you knew you were on the wrong bus because he was the first seat on the management <laughs> bus, and, oh, I got on the, I'm not on the player's bus. You knew that uh, you, know, you were in the big leagues because Tommy Lasorda invited you to dinner, and there's Vinny. Uh, you knew you were in the big leagues because he came down and sat on a folding chair next to the dugout, and the other folding chair was for you, and there was a TV camera in the well, and <laughs> he was interviewing you. So, yeah, it, it's part of the whole big league experience, and, uh, yeah, he was the signature guy. 
Well, it's it's interesting because you know even kind of listening to you tell some of your stories and personal stories, we've had a lot of listeners call in, and, and these are people that maybe met Vince Scully on an elevator, maybe met Vince Scully at a Dodger game, maybe met him just randomly somewhere else. And Travis and I keep talking about how it seems like every story there's such a authenticity to who he is and who he was, and you didn't have to be a major league player. You didn't have to be a World Series winner. Just He treated everybody the exact same. Um, from that perspective of uh, what Vin- Vince Scully meant, not just to people from Los Angeles, but to the baseball community and really to anybody that he crossed paths with, what, what, what of that part will you remember most about Vin? Well, he was exactly as my parents described to me as as we were growing up, which was you can learn from the man cleaning the office as much as you can learn from the president. And uh, that's who he was. I mean, he treated everybody as his equal. And uh, I think Charlie Steiner said it last night that he had like three B's, and it was be early, be there, be seen, and be gone. <laughs> and you think about those four B's and you think that, uh, you know, that was Vinny. Vinny got to the park early. You know, he was there and present for the fans and doing his work and doing the game. And he was seen, of course, when he was on TV and he was seen in the food room with Maria and he was seen at the door with James and he was seen with all the other Dodger people, including Peter O'Malley and the O'Malley family. Uh, And then he was gone. You know, the game ended and they held the elevator for him on the fifth floor and he would scoot right out and get in this car and be home. And that's the way he treated everyone when he met them, because he he was there for them on time. He was there for them and he was seen and did his thing and did what was appropriate. And then he was gone. And so he led a very public life, but he was a very private man also. Oral Hersheiser joining us here on the Travis and Sliwa show. And when you were wrapping up your playing career, Oral, you you coached for a while, and then ultimately you end up uh, in the broadcasting world. And like you mentioned earlier, you're an inquisitive guy. You ask questions. I, I can't imagine you didn't go to Vin Scully when you were thinking about making the transition to becoming a broadcaster. What What did you ask him, and what did he say? Well, we... We had studied him from afar, uh, Joe and I, um, and then we had asked Vinny a lot of questions. But the main question was, you know, you know, what can we do, or what's what's this going to be like? Or, and the main thing he would say is the most important thing you bring to the broadcast booth is yourself. And so that's all encompassing. You know, you bring you bring what you've lived in life. You bring. Uh, what you've studied and prepared for that day and you bring your nerves or you bring your love for the game and you, you bring yourself. And so the message really was to be prepared and to be there. Um, you know, it wasn't about the style. We, we studied the broadcasts uh, knowing that we were going to be in his booth. And so, you know, we, prepared ourselves for story time we prepared ourselves that joe would be giving the count and the outs every pitch even though we're on tv uh we prepared ourselves for all the different moments of uh laying out and making sure we are silent at the right time 
And Joe came to the booth totally prepared and ready for the job. If he was replacing Vin or if he was sitting in Vin's chair or if he wasn't some, if he was somewhere else, I believe he would be an outstanding, unbelievable broadcaster like he is now. And he's taken over the world series. But I think all of us, there's really never an original idea left in the world. Right. (laughs) And so we're all copying something in some way or imitating or hoping to be like, and so there's definitely Vin flavor in all of us because we've grown up Dodgers or we've been asked to sit in a chair that he sat in for 67 years and did an unbelievable job. Or a final one for me, and, I, and this is impossible to answer, but we, were, we played so many different legendary calls from Vin Scully over the years. And, yeah. um, you know, we, we kind of listed what some of our favorites are, and I know you could sit here for an hour and a half and list all of yours. Um, one or two that that always touch you or hit you a certain way? Well, I can I can barely talk about the 88 World Series, so I <laughs> won't even go into that <laughs> as I crack up. Uh, so I'll go to one that's a little easier. Uh, my mentor and hero, uh, Sandy Koufax's last inning. Of uh, the perfect game. Um, for Vinny to interject the date, the time of day, um, I've read the script of that inning. I think he said I twice. Um, I've read the script, and it reads like a book. I mean, if you were writing a book about an inning in a baseball game, you could just take his words without editing it and say, here's the <laughs> chapter. Here's here's the three, four pages of the completion of Sandy Koufax's perfect game from who was on the mound, what he was doing with his body, what the weather was like, what time it was, what day it was, who was the hitter, how was the hitter during dealing with the nerves, what were the crowd doing, laying out at the appropriate time, all of the different parts of that verbally said – and by Vin Scully or his words to writing, it's it's a masterpiece. And so, yeah, that would that would be there because of what Sandy means to me and what Vinny means to me. Dodger legend Oral Hershiser joining us here on the Travis and Slewa show. Oral, I, I really deeply appreciate you giving us some time to come on and talk about uh, your memories of your friend and, and somebody that you got to spend a lot of time with. I, I'm sorry for your loss. I know that all of us here in, in the city of L.A., are feeling a certain way today and last night, but I would imagine that somebody in your shoes as well that they got to know him on a very personal level feels it in an entirely different way as well. And uh, we're, both Alan and I are very grateful for your time today. Appreciate it. Uh, I would say everybody who's listening, uh, this was how Vin communicated originally. And uh, if you are touched by him, know that all of us are touched and connected. So you're not alone in your feelings for the gentleman, no matter if you – knew him from afar or knew him as a close personal friend. Uh, he was genuinely a, uh, a great, great man. We'll talk to you soon, Oral. Thanks again. All right. You got it. That was uh, 
that was something else, Lee. That that story about I mean, what a, what a, it, it, you can tell that oil, little Levin rubbed off on Oral too because oh, the way yeah. that he was talking about uh, that that could be a chapter. It literally could be a chapter in a book. Like if you were in high school and you wrote, or never mind high school, you could be a professional writer. And I'm going to write a short story about one inning of a baseball game, and that's what it was. You'd be like, this guy's you know Hemingway. This, well, is, a, like, this is a masterpiece. I like the way he said it too. He just said, yeah, you just turn it in. Hey, read this. Yeah. There's nothing else. Just that call here's the chapter enjoy this book enjoy this script enjoy whatever it is perfect perfect description thanks again to oral hersheiser for joining us we're going to continue our celebration of the life of vince scully we're going to play some more uh incredible scully moments and one of the most um iconic moments in baseball history maybe not the the one that red sox fans want to hear but he was there for that one too the ball behind the bag it gets through buckner that's coming up next it's travis lee 710 ESPN. What a great conversation with uh, Oral Hershiser Slee. And it's funny to, to hear him say, well, I can't talk about 1988. It's 40, 44 years ago. It's like, I'm not ready. <laughs> I, I, I can't. And, and you know, as, as we were talking about it earlier, as someone who was, you know, 17 at the time or just, just shy of 17 when, when that whole run, you forget the season that Oral Hershiser had, that he had a 60 scoreless innings to end the season. He... Look, I, I don't I don't want to take anything away from anybody else. You know, Mike Sosha hit the home run against Dwight Gooden and Kirk Gibson, you know, made a great catch in left field and Oral Hershiser won the NLCS for the Dodgers. He he did. Okay. And he would never say that. I'm saying that. And then he went into the World Series and basically won the World Series for the Dodgers after Gibson hit that home run. And the narration of Vince Scully calling those games along the way and, and, and hearing Oral say, I just, you know, I, I, I still can't talk about it. It just, it's perfect. It, it really is. That somebody who was there that lived it was an integral part of what it was is still like, yeah, I just, I, I can't go there quite yet. I just, I loved everything about it. It's so true. I mean, think about that. We, we've heard from obviously a lot of listeners. We've talked about our kind of vantage point of listening to a call and, wow, listen to this, listen to that. How about somebody who is actually in the mix of it all, Mm -hmm. who's part of helping the Dodgers win a World Series? And you could tell. I mean, there was a few moments there where um, I think he almost had to kind of take himself out of the moment for a second because you could could tell that things were going to get emotional or something like that. So he carried himself and just kind of listening to his own personal stories. And, by the way, the way – that's what I was so intrigued about. How did he observe Vin? You know, when he had moments, think about how many moments he probably had over the course of his lifetime to just watch Vin Scully do what he does and to kind of take you backstage on that is pretty special. It really was. And it's, you know, he he got to live the ultimate dream where he played for the – A, got to the big leagues. Right. B, played – you know, look, I, I get it. I'm biased. But – if no, you play for the Dodgers and the Yankees, yep. it's different. Of course. Look, the playing, course. For, playing for the Yankees and the Dodgers is different than playing for the Rays and the Marlins. It, it doesn't; Those are major league teams, but it's not quite the same. And then, oh, by the way, I'm going to be the best player on that team. And, oh, by the way, we're going to win the World Series. And, oh, by the way, I'm going to be part of the broadcast team that takes over for Vin Scully. I mean, come on, man. And, and I'll say this, and it's about Vin Scully today, but this is, I think, incredibly important. Yeah. Joe Davis and Oral Hershiser stepped into a job that would be virtually impossible. It's possible. It's impossible. To replace Vince Scully. And they did it, and everybody went, okay, yeah, this works. 
that that was not what how usually it's okay. We got to get through a couple of guys to kind of hundred percent. And it was oh, Joe and Oral. Yeah. Okay. Let let let's roll. <laughs> that that they were able to do that point. is extraordinary. Let's take a couple more of these phone calls. I want to get as many uh, of you on air as we possibly can. Let's go to the Valley this time and Tarzana. Let's go to Kenny in Tarzana. Kenny, you're on with Travis Lee. What's up, Kenny? Hi, guys. So this is probably the least controversial day you're going to have on your show. Just the unanimity of just everybody loving Vinny. He was everybody's friend. Mm-hmm. And it went from generation to generation. I started listening Casually in the summer of 69, sounds like a Brian Adams song. When I was seven <laughs> with my dad in the living room, as you mentioned. But, you know, the transistor radio is so important. I remember in 71, the Dodgers were down to the Giants by one game at the end of the season. And sitting in my bed with my transistor radio, Dodgers won. But afterwards, Biddy came on and said, well, if the Giants won too, we lost then. But it, it really connected us in 78, the Mother's Day game, Dave Kingman. I was at a family picnic with my grandparents, and we listened as, as Vinny called the three homers, eight RBI game that Vinny, excuse me, that Kingman had, and Tommy went crazy afterwards. That's a story for another day. And then I, I took my daughter when she was eight. This was 20 years ago and met Vin, and he was just such a genuine, nice man. And, you know, you just think, living in L.A., my friends like me who've grown up in L.A., it's just amazing how he connected us. I was that guy who would bring the transistor radio to the games. One just interesting thing, and I'll let you go. I know you got a lot of folks, but Buckner, um, I love Buckner. He's underrated as a player. Had a grandson in 71 against the Pirates the same day I did in my um, summer softball league. But it's very <laughs> interesting, too, of, of Vinnie iconic calls, of course. Hank Aaron Buckner is the left fielder, and then the really unfortunate incident. 86 and uh, probably two of his top five calls, but he's just a phenomenal guy and we'll miss him. You got it, Kenny. Thank you so much for for sharing your thoughts. We're gonna have that Bill Buckner one for you coming up here in just a little bit because they're depending on where you find these cuts out. That some yeah. of them they take out part of the the silence, the setup, right? And that's the brilliance of Scully. Like you need the you need the unedited so right. version of You're these so things. Right. So mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna find that uh, coming up here in just a little bit. Let's try another phone call in the meantime. Uh, Santa Barbara and Tom. Tom, you're on with Travis Slee. What's up, Tom? Hey guys, good to talk. Good to talk to you as always, guys. And you know, as I'm listening, uh, none of this is hyperbole. It's all true. So, real briefly, um, so I won't go into too much. One of my fondest memories is fifth grade at my age. That's back when they were playing the Phillies regularly, Guzinski, Schmidt, and they would constantly be playing them in the playoffs. So, in fifth grade, all of us as a class lobbied with our very strict teacher that if we did everything right, we did all things expected of us, she would let us listen to the day games in the middle of class if we were a good class. And I'll never forget that. But uh, the main point of my call is back about 16 years ago, my daughter would have been about five. I'm at CompUSA in Oxnard when there was one. Standing in line and walks up right behind me is Vin Scully. And I look at him and I go, well, one, he's not real tall. And two, he's real. And I said, Mr. Scully. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, hi, it's just a pleasure to see you. And I've been a lifelong fan as my dad and my grandfather. Been listening to you our whole lives. And it's just really an honor to see you. And thank you for all you've done. He says, well, thank you very much. And I said, this is my daughter. She's also a big Dodger fan. And she's been listening to you her whole life. 
and he flips into full Vin Scully and goes, <laughs> well, how do you do, young lady? And you having a great day today? And she's like, well, those are some beautiful curls on you, I'll tell you. And she's all, thank you. And he goes, sir, you're a Dodger fan, your dad tells me. And I'm just standing there in awe. And she nods her head. And he goes, well, that's great. You go on and have a pleasant day. And I'm just like, did you just do that? He just flipped right into full Vin Scully mode. And I just kind of looked at him and I said, thank you. Have a great day. And he goes, you as well. And I'm like, what the, what just happened? So that's my memory. Of, I got to meet him in Comp USA. That's, that's awesome, Tom. Full Vin. That is that is Thanks for sharing, absolutely Tom. terrific. That you know, just can you imagine? And and I, I wish I could ask Tom like how old his daughter was, but you know, if she were you know beyond six or seven years old, she's going to remember that. Of course, she is. You know, and remember it for for the rest of her life and telling everybody that she knows. They their previous caller was talking about another. I you know. We've talked about Dodger Call, Dodger Call, the San Francisco 49ers, but this is when Vin Scully was not only the voice of the Dodgers, but he also was the on the call for the World Series year after year after year with NBC, and he was behind the mic when Bill Buckner, well, when he did this. With two out, three and two to Mookie Wilson. Little roller up along first, behind the bag, it gets through Buckner, here comes Knight and the Mets win it! I mean, it just is an extraordinary control of your craft, right? To to let it play like that. It, because, you know, he had a, a full understanding of the history. I, there's nothing else to add. Behind the bag, it gets through months. You have seen about a million words. But more than that, you have seen an absolutely bizarre finish to Game 6 of the 1986 World Series. The Mets are not only alive, they are well, and they will play the Red Sox in Game 7 tomorrow. Unreal. Just let, I mean, I don't know how long that, that, that just the crowd it was. Almost was. a minute. Yeah, it had to be real, real close to a minute, if Oof. not longer. Um and then the little capper and yep, game seven tomorrow. We'll see, we'll see then. It's amazing. It's the power of the of silence, right? That 
sometimes, and again, I, I kind of go back to this. We talked about this earlier in the show. We always feel like we have to say something. We always feel like we have to fill in dead air. We always feel like, well, um, I got to put in some type of word or sense or phrase here. Trav, that's kind of the brilliance of part of what he does. He lets things, it is not my moment. Let me step out of the way, and this is, let people just soak in what just happened. It's not about him. It's not about what he's going to say next, even though we're kind of anticipating, I wonder what the hell he's going to say next. Sure, yeah. Yeah, it just, an extraordinary life, an extraordinary career, and just, you know, it's like I've said this word a lot today, terribly bittersweet to to lose him, but what what an opportunity and a gift we were all given to get to listen to him for for as long as we have. Um I'm going to I'm going to spoil the surprise here a little bit. Um everything, or I shouldn't say everything, but a lot of what we weren't able to play on our show today, we're going to play it in the dump, so stick around. Uh we're going to play a, a bunch of sound right there and when we come back, Slee, uh I want to play him talking about the attack on Pearl Harbor and, and and he's able to do that as well as he is to talk about baseball and anything else. Just another another shot that he had in his bag that he was able to deploy at a moment's notice. And just an extraordinary life, an extraordinary man. We're celebrating the life of Vince Scully here on 710 ESPN. I don't blame you. Al, it's, it's interesting. And I, I told this story uh, off, the, off the beginning of our show today that you and I and uh, – Emily and Taylor and, and everybody here at 710, we were all together last night. Um, we had a, a, a team dinner, and we were sitting around and, and, and having a conversation about our business and, and, and our station. And um, Craig and Sam were kind of addressing the, the team. And John Ireland announced, uh, it, he saw it on his phone. He said, hey, guys, I just need to let you know, um, Vince Scully just passed away. And then he said to me, uh, Trav, why don't we go o- o- across the way? We were down here in downtown at LA Live. Let- let's go on the air and-, and talk about Vince Scully. And it was a great idea, and it was a it was a pleasure and an honor to get to do that. And on the five minutes it took to walk from where we were to here at the studio, I was struck, and not for the first time, but in a, in a, in a different way, just how difficult – what Vin Scully did every day and how easy he made it look. And to find the right words at an incredibly emotional time, whether it's a big home run or whether it's a national tragedy like 9-11 or, or, or Pearl Harbor, which you're going to hear for him here in a second, to, to be able to describe it and, and find the right tone and the right emotions and make people feel the way that he did and – you never left a, a Vin Scully story or a broadcast feeling like you wanted a little bit more because he didn't explain what it was or the, you had this emotion that didn't make sense to you. And on that five-minute walk over here yesterday, I was struck by how difficult that is to do. I knew it was hard, Al. I, I, I did. But I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go on here and talk about somebody who I've never met, who I hold in incredibly high esteem, who I feel like I I knew personally, deeply, emotionally connected to, I don't know what to say. <laughs> and, and I had five minutes to think about it. And I, I had a, you know, John and I are sitting here and we're talking about how we're going to go about doing this broadcast. And Beto is here and Clinton is here. And to just, it just really reinforced his genius that he always had the right words at his disposal at the exact right time. And while he would never have wanted to talk about himself, no one could 
articulate what we're all feeling about him better than he probably could do it. And, and I, it's, it's weird to say it, and I don't have a better way to say it than that, but I kept thinking about that. Like, I wish he were here to tell me how I'm feeling about him because I'm struggling to find the right words. We have uh, just – our job day-to-day is so unique because we have a microphone in front of us and we usually are saying things that a lot of other people, a lot of other sports fans feel, right? So if you're describing how difficult it was or what am I going to do for the – how am I going to start? What what can I possibly say to give respect to a legend that was 94 years old and was part of the Dodgers organization for 67 years? And I'm sure once you got started, it just – flowed and then you and john are telling stories and i mentioned to you i was driving home so i'm listening to you guys mm-hmm. uh with beto and clinton as well there is no perfect way to do it right there is no perfect way to but he describe. always found the perfect way that's he what's so amazing free, but that, and that and that's kind of where i was going to is like there is no perfect movie there is no perfect sports game there is no perfect this perfect that especially when you got to do it every single day i mean six months 162 games before the playoffs the pre or the spring training, all that stuff, and you always feel like every time you listen to Vin, um, it never seemed like it just sounded perfect. Like there was no, there's, there's nothing you can add to it. It's just, yeah, that was Vin. That's what he does. He just shows up and has a perfect game every single night. I think this is a really good example of that. That he was always able to strike the right tone, whether he was talking about a baseball game or he was talking about a, a historic incident um he was i believe and I, I heard this for the first time last night so i'm going a little bit by memory i'm gonna play it here in a second but i believe vince scully was 14 years old when pearl harbor was attacked in 1941 and here he is on uh time warner uh sportsnet um talking or i should say sportsnet la talking about that and and the conversation he had with his father at the time our hero of the day was a witness of the devastating pearl harbor That's when Corporal Seki volunteered for the Army. His unit was the all-Japanese-American 442nd Regimental Combat Team. It swung on and fouled back, one away. Anytime I hear Pearl Harbor, I was uh, 14 when we had Pearl Harbor. And there is our distinguished hero indeed. When I think about Pearl Harbor, I almost automatically think, that's the only time I ever heard my father swear. At 14, I can see I was crawling under the big family radio, and I was listening to a football game, the New York Giants football team in the NFL. The count goes to one and two. In that game, I do remember the only time the great Mel Hine was ever injured was on Pearl Harbor Day playing for the Giants. One-two pitch on the way. Little nubber up along first. Chooch picks it up and throws him out. So we have two down, and the battle will be up. Well, anyway, as a kid, and they interrupted the game, and my thought, why why would they do that? The Giants were on the move. And in those days, they didn't score much at all. Hardly ever passed the ball. And so when they interrupted the football game and they said Pearl Harbor, my first thought was, that's probably in China. Because as a little boy, the Chinese and the Japanese were fighting. And the word Pearl Harbor made me immediately think of Asia and the Asian. Well, I was wrong. but So I went into the kitchen where my mother and dad were having their usual cup of tea at that time of day. 
He was up there, up there, and he takes ball one. And I said to my dad, who had traveled all over the world in the British Navy, and anyway, and I said, "Where's Pearl Harbor?" And he said, "It's in the Hawaiian Islands." Why? And I said, "Well, the Japanese just bombed it." And then he let out an expletive, which was really shocking because he never swore. And then he just simply said, "That's war." And I remember going back, listening to the Giant game, not not giving him much of a thought. Wow, what a beginning! I mean, I, I I don't know what to say after something like that, Al. I mean, that he's describing him experiencing that firsthand, his father's reaction to it, and and calling the baseball game as it's happening. He was talking about the New York football giants and gives a little history lesson. Oh, by the way, they barely used the forward pass at this point. It it was a master class. I mean, not to, I mean, listening to it again, you get emotional yeah. all over again. But just the, you and I could do this for a thousand years, and we're not going to know how to tell a story like that. So, you know, it's funny when you say, I don't know what to say after that. And I, in my head, I'm like, no, I was there. I just I, I was with Vin. Vin, I was sitting right next to him. Vin was... He's listening to the football. I'm listening to the football game with him. Yeah, his dad is right over there with his parents, and they're in the kitchen. And, like, I feel when he tells these stories, you are sitting, and there's a window right there, and you're just looking right through that window. And as Vin is telling the story, you're like, man, Vin, this is great. Yeah, I got a perfect picture. Thank you, man. I saw the whole thing. I was I was with, with, I was with Vin when he found out about Pearl Harbor. That's, that's – bro, that is that – is, I don't know how you tell stories like that, but when you listen only to him, he you can. feel like you're right there with him. Yeah, only he can do it, and he can also tell a story about trying to figure out what a mullet is. We're going to hear what that's all about <laughs> coming up next as well. We're celebrating the life of Vin Scully right here on 710 ESPN and a whole bunch more of Vin Scully sound coming up in the dump. That's next. So this, I, I, I do love doing the dump every day, Slee. I like the little nuggets that uh, we get to talk about here and there, but this may be my favorite version of it where it's just nothing but little Vin Scully um, vignettes and, and stories that he gets to tell. Let's get right to it. This is uh, Vin Scully talking about Troy Tulowitzki and trying to figure out exactly what a mullet is. Troy not only went in the hole, he went racing over almost to the foul line, made a great off-balance throw, and he got blank at first base. And in reading a Colorado paper about the game, they said his throw was just a little bit longer than the mullet that he wears. And I remember reading that, and I thought, mullet? Mullet's a fish. (laughs) So we went on the computer, and it's both. It's a hairdo and a fish. But there's nothing fishy about this kid. He can really play. Troy batting 321. Is the mullet another word for like a ponytail? I mean, I'm trying to look at him. Where's the mullet? It's not a ponytail. Oh. We'll watch him going back to the dugout. Can you tell anything about that now? When he takes his hat off, maybe. That'd be my luck. He won't take the helmet off, right? We've just talked about it. Ah. All right, now. So it's just a lot of hair, the mullet. Hmm. One away. Foul ball. You know my favorite part no, of that? He's getting end? to the bottom of this. <laughs> he's We're getting to the bottom the of this. The very end of it. He's like, so it's just a lot of hair. Hmm. 
one away. <laughs> like let's let's get back to the business at hand. Hmm. One away. Just uh and, and incredibly funny and yet you yeah. can tell he's genuinely curious. Like he doesn't know what it is and I want to know what it is. Take He's going to find out. T- take off your helmet so I can figure out what's going on underneath there. It's just uh it's a classic. I don't know if you saw Kershaw, probably in the last half hour or so, put out a tweet. The best there ever was, when you think of the history of the Dodgers, you think of Vin, an incredible man with an incredible legacy, and I'm so thankful I've known him as well as I did. And it's kind of, uh, there's four photos on there. Um, one with Kershaw, his daughter, and Vin. Mm. Another one just Kershaw and Vin in the, uh, in the dugout. Uh, another one with Kershaw and his wife, Vin and his wife. And then the last one is um, Kershaw in the middle of a speech for Vin. And it's just like such a beautiful portrayal of Kershaw's years with Vin. And anyways, you just put that up on Twitter. That's fantastic. And and think about this too, Sleep. Clayton Kershaw, we've talked about this a lot. This is the Dodgers and the Yankees are like – one of two, right? They're, 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 those two teams are kind of in a category separate from the other 30 in the league. Um, Clayton Kershaw is one of the best players in the history of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yep. And it meant the world to him to get to spend time with him and have his daughter take pictures and his family take pictures. That You know, he is Sandy Koufax. He's the 21st century Sandy Koufax. He's that guy. But he, he looks at Vince Scully the way that you and I and, and Dodger fans across this city look at Vince Scully. It's not just that, oh, yeah, I'm one of the guys. I'm, I'm, in, I'm on the inside of the circle. He's still looking at the dead center of the circle with Vince Scully. You, listening to Oral probably about a half hour ago, very similar, right? They, sometimes you just imagine, oh, well, he's a player. Yeah, well, you know, his perspective is going to – nope, nope, same amount of respect – same perspective as you and I have. It not only was Ben Scully gifted in a million different ways, but he also had the uncanny ability to read people's lips. And, you know, watching from a distance where the press box is, we all know at Dodger Stadium, he could look down and look at the monitors, and he knew exactly what a player was saying to an umpire and vice versa. And this is an all-time classic of Vin Scully reading former Dodger manager Jim uh, Tracy's lips during an argument with an umpire. It's like they're going to call it a trap. And Jim Tracy, he caught the ball, Jim said. He caught the ball. He caught the blinking ball. He caught the darn ball. Oh, oh, you're gone. He is gone. That is blinking fertilizer. I'm doing the best to translate. You gotta be blinking me. The ball, he caught the ball. No way, no blinking way, no bloody way. That is blinking fertilizer. I just, I, I'm just gonna give you a heads up, Slee and Emily and Taylor and everybody else. You're gonna hear me say that oh, a lot moving to. forward. Okay I'd be so the, disappointed if you didn't. That is blinking fertilizer, Slee. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to hear that one over and over and over Have, you, have you seen this on Twitter? And this probably started, you know, obviously over the last 14, 15 hours now or so. Um, have you – people are posting so many different calls up, and you're like, oh, wait, Vin did that one as well? Wait, 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 Vin did this one as well? Somebody just put up, and Jonathan Watson sent to us, Vin Scully calling Joe Carter's World Series yeah. off homer in 93. Uh, do you find yourself – 
tuning in to, or or listening to things that you did not know. Oh wait, Vin did that one as well. For sure. Or, yeah. For 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 sure. And and the, like we talked about previously. I felt like I had a pretty good grasp of, like, the super iconic moments. Like, I, I remember the Vin Scully, you know, that's bleeping fertilizer, no bleeping way. I, I remember that. And the one that we've played, you know, Bob, not Bob, Kirk Gibson, and all of these of moments, I remember yeah. them. But there are a million others, like, I I don't know if I've ever heard that before. And, and, and it's extraordinary along the way. And then, you know, we've mentioned this, too, but... Obviously, most closely associated with the Dodgers, most closely associated with the city of Los Angeles. But he was on the call with one of the most iconic moments in NFL history that launched the 49er dynasty. Montana, looking, looking, throwing in the end zone. It's a baseball not, announcer doing it. I mean, come, come on. It's not supposed to be. How can he just have every one of these? So we've talked about him being able to nail the call. We've talked about his versatility. We've talked about his humor. We've talked about his ability to describe historic moments in perfect context and make you feel like it's there. And arguably, uh, his greatest gifts, Lee, was to be able to put things in perspective and to be able to make you feel a certain way, not just about this game you were watching or an event that was taking place, but about your relationship with him. And when he signed off for the last time as a, a member of the Dodger broadcast team, it was just quintessential Vin Scully. And I think it's a, it's a perfect way to kind of end our show uh, today and, and hearing from Vin talk about his last sign up from a Dodger broadcast. You know, friends, so many people have wished me congratulations on a 67-year career in baseball, and they've wished me a wonderful retirement with my family. And now all I can do is tell you what I wish for you. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. For every problem, life seems a faithful friend to share. For every sigh, a sweet song and an answer for each prayer. You and I have been friends for a long time, but I know in my heart that I've always needed you more than you've ever needed me. And I'll miss our time together more than I can say. But you know what? There will be a new day and eventually a new year. And when the upcoming winter gives way to spring, oh, rest assured, once again, it will be time for Dodger baseball. So this is Vin Scully wishing you a very pleasant good afternoon wherever you may be. As always, absolutely perfect from Vin Scully. It's time right now for a little Super Crosstalk. KRDCAM 1110 Pasadena, Los Angeles. K256CX 99.1 FM, Pasadena, Los Angeles. It's the greatest segment in LA sports radio history. Radio history. Oh my God. When the shows come together for magic on the radio. It belongs to stronger. Super Crosstalk. Are we ready for Mason and Ireland to join Travis and Slee? Super Crosstalk begins. It's time for. Super Crosstalk. 
All right, so Mason and Island are down in Irvine. They're going to be broadcasting from Rams Camp today. And, guys, obviously, you know, John, you and I got a chance to spend some time together last night talking about Vince Scully. And, Mace, I just kind of wanted to get your initial thoughts on, on all the clips that I'm sure that you've heard today and everything that you've read about Vince Scully and the impact he had on, on the fans, on the city, on relationships and everything else. Yeah, I mean, God, what can you say about Vince Scully? I mean, I and I've even had 24 hours to think of or 12 hours to think about it. I was watching the game last night. I thought it was interesting that Joe Davis was able to react to what was going on as the uh, as the news broke. For me, 